sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we thank you, Lord God, that he is the light. We thank you that he is the, the revelation of your truth, the revelation of your desire to bring about forgiveness and salvation um, to all people. And Lord God, we, we thank you for what you did in him. We thank you that, that when you sent him, Lord God, you were ushering in your kingdom, your rule and your reign over the earth. And Lord God, as, as uh, those of us who have come to believe in your kingdom and your reign and come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, Lord God, we thank you for your establishing your rule and your reign over our lives. Uh, Lord God, we, I pray today, Lord God, as we're in your scriptures this, this morning, Lord God, we pray that you would open it up and reveal it to us, Lord God, areas, Lord God, where we, where we need to pay attention and listen and respond, where you've revealed your truth to us. I pray, Lord God, that we would all find ourselves in greater obedience to your rule and reign in our lives. Um, thank you, Father, for this week at BBS. Thank you for the truth, Lord God, that we were able to express from your word and, and uh, that you enabled us to do by, by just pouring out in us and through us uh, love and, and truth on these kids. Heavenly Father, we pray that the seeds that were planted, Lord God, would, would take hold and that they would, uh, they would result in forgiveness and salvation uh, for these young kids. Lord God, but for us too, Lord, we want to give you our hearts. We want to give you our lives, Lord God, and uh, celebrate you, the one, our King and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We spoke last week, we talked about Jesus Christ's coming and how his coming was, was basically like the D-Day invasion. It was like Jesus Christ coming back and, and taking back some of what had been lost um, by, the, uh, by what had been taken by the enemy of God, by what had, been, what had fallen. And this was, this was really Jesus making a, 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 a foothold on ter- enemy territory. And he came in and he began bringing back and restoring all that had been lost since the fall of mankind. Um, and about what a, just a, what an incredible and beautiful thing that was as, uh, as Jesus began to proclaim um, that, uh, that the kingdom had come. Matter of fact, you remember last week we talked about Jesus te- t- teaching his disciples to pray, and he told them, this is how you pray. And just the, talk, the part that we talked about there was, it was that he told them, he said, when you pray, pray this. He said, pray, your, Lord God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been talking about that idea, this idea that we're supposed to to want and desire to see God's kingdom come here on the earth, both in our lives and and overall. And I tell you, what a what a crazy week it's been just worldwide. I mean, the from violence in the in the Middle East to uh, to the in the Eastern Ukrainian Eastern uh, Eastern Bloc countries to have a you know an airliner shot down and and even here locally where we've had a it's a, you know traffic fatality and just all kinds of crazy stuff going on all around. I, I can't think of a more appropriate prayer than this. You know, Lord. God, your kingdom come. We need the Lord's rule, and we need his reign, don't we? Um, I need it in my life because I know, his, I know his intentions toward me, right? His intentions, his rule and his reign over me is favor and love and blessing and forgiveness through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I need that in my life. So today we're going we're gonna to study, we're going to be in a chapter um, in, for the next couple of weeks in uh, Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles with you today in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read quite a bit of this chapter today. 
But I really don't have to speak a whole lot today uh, because Jesus actually interprets um, his own teaching today. So anyway, really fantastic. Anytime that the uh, anytime the Bible gives you just very clear uh, interpretation, it's a really makes it really easy, really really good thing. Uh, because in the end, God really does make his truth just very, very easy to understand, doesn't he? It's just very uncomplicated, um, most of it, uh, about what his, his desire is for people. So anyway, if you have your Bibles with you in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew, it appears, has taken some of the kingdom of God, or the, he refers to it as the kingdom of heaven, but he's taken a lot of the teachings that Jesus did on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and he's put them all in this one chapter. When you read some of the other Gospels, um, they're scattered about a little bit more, but in, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, he took these, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 13, he took all of these, um, I'm going to have to move this, this is, I'm going to grab it at some point and run around with it or something, um, he, but he took all these, all these parables about the kingdom and, uh, and he put them all in this chapter. So the very first one is the parable of the four soils, and this is familiar to us today, um, but I pray, you know, every time, every time that we read the scripture, if you've been a, a student of the scripture, at all. You know, we, we all need to guard against this idea that I know all this. Um, I've already read all this. There's nothing more for me to learn here. It's just not true, right? None of us knows the mind of God, and none of us can fully comprehend all the Word of God. We, we always will need the Holy Spirit's help in, in learning and in interpreting and, and putting into practice what we learn from the Word of God. True? Every day, if, if you're a believer for 80 years, you're going to need the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit to put it, to put it into, uh, into practice. So, so let's read here, and uh, you read along with me here as we read. I'm going to read, um, let's see, let's do this. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. We're going to break this up into three pieces. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, now let me tell you what that same day, in the previous chapter in verse 12, uh, chapter 12, I should say, Jesus had gone and, and he had actually healed someone from demon possession. And the Pharisees were there and they told him, you drove out demons by the power of Satan or the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus told them that's ridiculous, you know, basically. But so basically that same day that Jesus had been accused by the Pharisees, um, this, he tells the, the, this parable. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the same sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has an ear let him hear. So let's talk about this just for a moment. Um, it's kind of interesting in, uh, in verse 2 here, we, we have Jesus, there's such a large, large crowds around him that Jesus actually got into a boat. He did this a few times. We, we have recorded in the Gospels. He got into a boat and he sat down and they would push the boat out a little bit from shore. And then that way all the people could, ground, could surround him in kind of a semicircle. It made like a, a very simplistic amphitheater where Jesus could teach and preach from uh, and people could hear him. Uh, speak there from the boat. Really pretty cool. Um, so let's talk about this. So um, Jesus is talking about he's going to be covering many parables here. A parable is a, is a story that Jesus told, and basically what a parable was, it was something from everyday life that everyone could relate to, a story that everyone could relate to that was meant to tell a spiritual truth. 
And um, just, to, just to tell you, when it comes to interpreting parables, they're generally not complicated. They're generally to get across one major point or maybe a couple of major points, but they're not supposed to be, you know, picked apart and, oh, what does this specific detail mean? They're supposed to get across basically the moral of the story. And so um, Jesus is going to tell a parable about sowing and reaping here today. So here, um, so here we have it. Let me ask you some questions. Uh, here we have a sower who's throwing seed. What is the seed? What do you think? The Word of God, right? This is the Word of God. That's the message of God. In particular, I think it has, has to do with Jesus in particular. It, it's God's idea that he's going to bring about forgiveness and he's going to bring about uh, salvation through the sacrifice of his own son. And whether or not these people and us people here today, the people from, uh, from Palestine from a couple of thousand years ago, or the people still today accepted that um, dependent on uh, in the parable whether or not the seed uh, took root and, and grew. Uh, and what is the soil? Yeah, the soil is us. The soil is, is, is us and, and our response to the seed that's sown. Um, and here's a trick question. I'll warn you up front. Who is the sower? This is a trick question. It doesn't say who the sower is, but here's the interpretation, or here's what we think it probably means. The sower is either Jesus himself as he's coming and explaining to the Pharisees all that he's come for and all that he's doing and how salvation is going to come through him. And then it's also you. It's all of us, right? Anyone, anyone who, who would sow the seed of the gospel, you know, it's you in the context of you've got a, a friend who's having marital problems and you explain to them how you found uh, uh, forgiveness for your spouse and your spouse found forgiveness for, for you because of the forgiveness you found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're sowing seed there, aren't you? You're planting the seed of the gospel. You're telling them, listen, listen, let me tell you what has happened in my life. Let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me tell you how he's brought about forgiveness and salvation and how he's saved my life. Or you have someone who's struggling because they're just heaped in, just absolutely feeling the pressure and the conviction of guilt and shame in their lives because of their own sin. And you tell them, right, well, let me tell you about the Savior who loves you so much that he loves you even in your sin, and he accepts you as you are when you accept his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for you on the cross. Yeah, you are the sowers in that case, right? right? Okay. Here particularly, I think what Jesus is talking about is that it's this group of people. These are, the, you know, and, and his scattering the seed amongst them, and uh, in particular, he's going to spell out four different kinds of soils, um, four different kinds of, of people who are in different stages of recipient of uh, receiving uh, the word about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, so there we have it. He tells the parable, and then he's going to talk just for a minute about God's um, dealing with people and how much truth he gives them. Really pretty fascinating passage is kind of coming up in the middle. And then he ends the chapter by telling them, what's really the meaning behind the parable. So it's kind of cool today. I don't have to do a lot of interpretation. It's just all right here. Jesus gives us the interpretation. There's not a lot of guesswork here. It's all spelled out for us here, which is fantastic. But first, let's get into this middle section where Jesus is talking about God's um, divvying up or, or, or revealing of truth and how he does it. And uh, so look with me. We're going to be now in, in uh, chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. We'll read verses 10 through uh, 17 there. Okay. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, here's the term, of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them 
in parables. Let me pause there for just a minute. He's going to give a couple of quotes here from Isaiah. But basically what he's saying is what? What he's telling them is this, is that, is that people who have heard the truth, people who have received the truth, those people who have it, they're going to get more. People who don't have the truth, they're not going to get any more. Matter of fact, what they've been given will go away. And then he's going to explain it here a little bit later. Seems a little bit confusing right now. It seems like God kind of has a double standard right now, doesn't it? It seems like God only gives truths to some people and doesn't give truth to other people. Let's continue to read, and he'll explain a little more. In, verse, uh, in the middle of verse 13, or at the beginning of this, this verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Okay, let's pause there for just a minute. So the prophet Isaiah was speaking about, what, 900 years before, 700 years before Jesus Christ? And he spoke about the people of his time. Isaiah was prophesying about the the people of Israel during his time. And he's saying, even though they have ears, even though they have eyes, they see and they hear, but they don't understand. They don't understand the message that the prophet Isaiah was giving them. And Jesus says, the prophecy that Isaiah gave them give, gave them wasn't true only of their day, but he says it's fulfilled in mine. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have come, and I'm teaching them, and I'm showing them. I'm demonstrating God's word. I'm, I am the message. I am the word that has come to God, and still people don't see and people don't hear, right? And ultimately, their hearts have become callous. This all, goes, this all ties back to the parable. We'll get to it in just a minute. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes. Now, who's he talking to there? This is specifically his disciples. These are specifically the people who have come to believe in him. These are the ones who've decided to follow him, who believe that he is the Messiah. They don't understand what kind of Messiah yet, but they at least believe enough to follow him and believe that he's come from God. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your hearts because, your ears, I'm sorry, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So here we go. In what we have happening here in this verse is that God's way that he divides up or, or reveals truth to people, and he's talking about very individually, very personally about how he reveals truth. And here's the basis of it, right? Here, here it is. God gives truth to people who receive it and act on it. God stops giving truth to people who quit believing and quit, quit acting on it. If you don't believe truth, if you don't believe what he's told you about the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to continue to give truth. He's not going to continue to reveal himself any further than that because the very first thing that all of us has to decide is, what do I believe about Jesus Christ? If you haven't gotten to the point that you've decided what you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming and his sacrifice and what it means to you, The rest of it doesn't matter, right? Listen, God lays out his truth and he spreads his word. And this this idea of the sower coming and indiscriminately scattering seed is is the perfect picture of the way that God has has sent his son. And one of the ways that that the gospel says that Jesus came, it says, is in the whole world saw it. Basically saying that virtually everyone in the world knows and saw and heard the story of Jesus Christ coming. And, Jesus, and God spread the word and spread the message about Jesus coming worldwide. 
but not everyone accepts him. Not everyone believes in him. Not everyone believes that you can find forgiveness in through his sacrifice. Not everyone believes that. And here's the deal. He says, he says if you believe the truth that I give you, I will give you more truth. I'll, I'll give you more. I'll reveal more to you about what I'm doing. I'll, believe, I'll, really, I'll, I'll reveal more and more to you about my truth. But if you don't believe, even that truth is going to be taken from you. Let me tell you, for, for uh, the majority of us in here obviously are believers, let me tell you this. This kind of thing makes me a little worry about the times, because I do it and you do too, the times that I hear truth and I don't act on it, right? Now, I, I want to differentiate here. There's a difference here about hearing the message of salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ and hearing some things very specifically that God's calling you to do, right? So on one hand, Jesus calls us, or God calls us through the Lord Jesus Christ to come to salvation. And I believe that's what he's talking about here. But I think this principle of God only giving out more truth and more truth when we accept it and act on it carries past that. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, if God has told me to do something, and I don't act in obedience, and I don't act in faith, and I don't, act, and I don't respond in a taking action on what he's told me, I think he's going to wait. I think he tends to wait. He says, no, when you act on that, we'll move on. When you act on that, we'll go further. I'll bring about more revelation to you. But until you do, you're going to stay right where you are until you move and act on the truth that I've revealed to you. Certainly is true about salvation. I believe it's true about other truth as well. But anyway, in the end, here's, here's the point for, for these verses, is that God will reveal more truth as you believe and act on the truth you already have. And basically, if you refuse to believe, if you refuse to take action on what you've heard, he stops, he waits, there, there's no more. As a matter of fact, he'll take back um, the truth that, that, uh, that you've heard. Okay, um, so, and, and then the perfect, the perfect illustration here is between the Pharisees and Jesus' disciples, right? On one hand, the Pharisees have come, and they've seen Jesus do all these things. You know, he's feeding people miraculously. He's healing people. He just, in the, in the same day, he, he, he uh, freed someone from demon possession. Instead of coming to believe that he was the one sent by God, their hearts were hardened, their ears were closed, and their eyes were, were closed, and, and they would not, they refused to believe that he was from God. And so they said, you must have your power from Satan. That is a perfect example of people whose hearts are hardened, right? And opposed to that, they didn't understand it very well, but the disciples believed and followed him, right? Okay. Let's continue. Um, and let me say this before we go on. Listen, the invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it's not complicated, is it? Basically, the whole story, and, and, you know, we have these conversations with children. You know, I, I just, we just had this conversation with some, some four- and five-year-olds. We, they weren't quite ready, but the, the idea about salvation, that Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins is not a difficult or, or hard. It's not convoluted. It's not complicated. And the message and the invitation is open to everyone, right? But the deeper truths the more of the secrets of the kingdom of God are reserved for those who believe, the ones who act on, what he, he, on, the, on the truth that's been revealed to him. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's up to us. You know, and there's another one more quick thing that I might point out before we go on. There is something that happens, and this is, this is captured especially in, the, especially in the book of Matthew, and we don't have time to look at it all today, but there is a progression that happens in the lives of someone who f- continue to refuse to believe in the, God's truth. There is a progression where they hear it and they reject it. 
and then they hear it again and reject it, and they hear it again and reject it until the time comes that their hearts are so hardened and so calloused that at some point they've, you know, it, it basically becomes a judgment on themselves where they can't respond anymore because they've rejected him over and over and over again. I just want to tell you that. I, want, I just want to share that with you because this is one of the things we need to be praying for the people around us who, who we've maybe had, had, had uh, um, uh, an ability or a, an opportunity to be able to share with. There may be someone that you've shared with and shared with and shared with. And one of the things we need to pray, be praying for is, Lord, don't let their hearts get hardened. Lord, don't let it happen because we can see it. And, and I think the way that Matthew spells it out here is just brilliant. But Matthew basically builds the case in the beginning all the way through the end where he's basically making the case that the Pharisees and the majority of the Jews at this time reject the Lord Jesus Christ and their hearts are so hardened that they can't see the truth even though it's in the flesh right in front of them. Can you imagine? And that's why he says this. That's why he ends with this this saying, the Old Testament prophets would have loved to see what you see. The Old Testament prophets, you know, had this kind of vague idea. Isaiah saw a suffering servant. Mosea, or Moses was taught that there would be a, 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 a priestly king who would, who would come like him. You know, David was t- understood that there was going to be a king on his throne forever, and they, they understood kind of, in sh- kind of in shadowy figures about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they anticipated and they looked forward to the day of his coming, but they didn't get to see him in the flesh. And so these people were particularly, um, um, had this marvelous opportunity to see Jesus in the flesh, but just like Isaiah said they would. They saw him, but they didn't see him. They heard him, but they didn't hear. They, they heard the message, but they didn't understand it. And overall, they rejected him. It's, inc- it's incredible. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing and, and incredible thing about how our hearts can be hardened when we reject the truth. Let's continue, though. What an opportunity. What, a, what an incredible, yeah, but in verse 16, but blessed are you, your eyes because, because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Verse 18. Um, so listen to what the parable of the sower means. This is fantastic. Anytime Jesus interprets the scriptures for you, you know it's right, right? When, when I tell you, eh, not so much. All right, so verse, uh, verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one come and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed along the path. In other words, so he talked about the seed that was thrown al- al- along the path, and what happened? Birds came by and... Snatch it up, that's right, and ate it. He said, this is someone who hears the word of God but doesn't understand it or comprehend it. And basically, whenever you see the word understand in New Testament, it, often t- it oftentimes has this mean of apprehending or taking hold of it. It's more than just it was above their heads. It's that they didn't grab hold of it, right? It just got away from them. They didn't, they didn't jump at the opportunity that was presented. They didn't apprehend it. Okay, verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it, he has no root, he only lasts for a short time. Listen, what, what takes away what, uh, what, what this, the, you know, this is the seed that fell along the rocky places and the sun came up and scorched it. Listen to that scorching, what it is in real life. This is it. Trouble or persecution comes because of the word. He quickly falls away. So these are people who, who react very quickly, and they respond. They do apprehend it. They do grab hold of it, and with joy and quickly, and they sprout up like a, like a seed that's been planted in, 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 in uh, shallow soil. But the sun comes, and trouble 
or persecution, and they step away and say, no, wait, I don't believe this. Listen, this is one of the first temptations that comes to any believer and, and maybe is the, is the proof of whether or not you're a believer, right? When trouble comes, the very first temptation we have is what? To back away from God and say, I thought you loved me. I guess you don't. I'm walking away, right? The, everyone has, every one of us has faced that temptation. One of the proofs of the New Testament that it says of, of a true believer is a perseverance of their faith. If you are a true believer, you will continue to believe. Those who come quickly and excitedly to the Lord Jesus Christ and at the first face of trouble back away have proven they were not a true believer. That, that's difficult, isn't it? That's hard for us to hear, but it's, it's the truth. Let's continue. Uh, verse 22. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. All right, this one is the one that bothers me probably the most. Here it is. This is the seed that was thrown amongst what? Thrown amongst thorns, thrown in amongst weeds, and it sprang up. It, it started to grow, but instead of there actually being fruit, what happens? It's choked out. It, it, the seed, that plant can't survive in amongst the thorns, and so it choked out, it's choked out and dies. And in real life, what does Jesus says, say is, are those weeds that are choking out the fruitfulness of this life? The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. These things really concern me because I know in the United States we have wealth and worries, right? We're all the time, you know, who here is busy? Anyone? Yeah. Who here barely has time to think about what they're doing? Listen, the worries of this life has a tendency to choke out the gospel, to choke out the fruit of the gospel in someone's life. And that's what Jesus is warning about here is someone who's taken hold of the gospel. They've received it. They believe it. But there's no fruit in their life. Now, the question may be, is this a believer or not? I'm going to tell you today, I don't know. I've looked at this, I've studied this, I've contemplated this, I've worried about this, this, these verses for a long time. But in the end, let's get one thing very straight. I don't want to be that guy. Do you? No, none of us, this is apparently bad, right? I want to be, in the end, the story is we want to be receiving and acting on the word, acting on the truth that we've received, that Jesus is the way of salvation. That, that there, is a, there is another kingdom, there is another life that's in competition with, with, with our lives here today, and we've got to give it all of our attention. Uh, we really do. So in the end, um, this part where it talks about the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. I remember one time um, I, I, uh, I had heard a speaker who came, and he was from, uh, let me think, they were from Malaysia, I think it was. Uh, maybe the Philippines, I can't remember. But anyway, basically they were, they, they were coming, they had come to the United States and, and someone in the United States says, you know, why, why don't you have television in your house? Why don't you have games, you know, in your house? Why don't you have all of these things? And, he, and, and these were two believers talking. One was American, the other one was, was Asian. And, and the Asian believer said to him, uh, don't take this wrong. I, I don't mean this bad, but I don't want a lot of life and a little bit of Christ. I want a lot of Christ and just a little bit of the, uh, of the distraction. You know, basically saying that I don't want to be distracted from my love of the Lord. I don't want to be distracted from Him. I don't want to be distracted to pouring my life into His kingdom. The last one, of course, is the one that we're aiming for, if you look with me in verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it, and what produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
So in the end here, let me point these out to you. These are four different responses to the God's Word. These are, these are four different types of, of people who are ready. The first one is people whose hearts are hardened, and they can't hear, and they don't believe, and they reject what they're told about the kingdom of God. The next one is shallow. These are the ones that the Word just springs up, but it doesn't live very long because they're shallow in their belief. And... Um, and ultimately trouble and persecution proves out that they weren't true believers. The next one is those people who are distracted. So distracted are they by the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth that they produce nothing for the kingdom. And the last one, of course, is what we all long for, those who hear, receive, and produce. Yeah? Listen. We live in a uh, we live in a in, in a strange world today. We live in a world that in we live in a strange time, right? So this is the time we believe that there's coming a time, sometime in the future, that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, and He'll actually establish a physical kingdom on earth. Right now, He's established a spiritual kingdom, but it's a kingdom in the midst of all this chaos, right? It's a kingdom in the midst of kingdoms. It's a, it's a spiritual kingdom set up in the midst of physical kingdoms. Uh, it's also a spiritual kingdom set up in the midst of, of the control of Satan over a good part of the people on the planet. But here's the deal in the end is that, you know, I want us to all remember and all of us to be praying in my life, in my home, in my community, Lord God, in our country, across the world, Lord, your kingdom come. May I have a part in scattering your seed in the, in the lives of the person around me, to my neighbors, to my coworkers who are struggling, who are still lost in that other kingdom, who need to come and find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us to all be praying for them, Lord, make them like that good soil who are ready to receive your word. Let their hearts not be hardened. Let their hearts not be distracted. Let them not be shallow in their belief for you. But, Lord, when I scatter seed, I pray that your kingdom would come and they would receive it and that they would produce in their lives a kingdom bounty. Amen? Amen? Let's do this. I want to close just in a word of prayer today, and, and we'll be dismissed. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in my own life, I pray, Lord God, that I would be like the, the good soil. I know there's times in my own life when, when I'm distracted, when the worries of this life or, or uh, the deceitfulness of wealth, you know, wealth tends to make, us, make me feel like I've got everything I need. When, I, when I've got stuff, and, and it doesn't even have to be money in the bank. Sometimes wealth is just all the stuff we've bought expending all of our money. But when, we've have, when we have all the stuff or all the money we need, we feel secure or we feel significant. But we know that's deceit. Lord, we know the only security is in you. We know the only significance is to be found is in you, that there's never enough money, there's never enough stuff, and there's always worry and there's always distractions. I pray, Lord God, for a single-mindedness for us. I pray that you would help us to see every day that we're, we're, in, a, we're in occupied territory. We're in territory that's been taken back by you in our homes and in the lives of in our lives and the lives of our children, but we're really in occupied territory that was taken uh, by Satan and, and twisted and corrupted by sin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to realize we're in a battle for men and women. We're in a battle for their souls, in a battle for their lives, in a battle for their families. And I pray that you would make us effective in your kingdom, to produce in your kingdom, Lord God, to receive your truth and to act on it, Lord God, I pray. Whatever it is, whatever it is you have for us, whatever it is you tell us, I pray that you would help us to be quick to be obedient, Lord God, that we may see more of your truth revealed in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for the honor. Thank you for the privilege of being on this side of the cross, that we can see the truth 
um, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the way of salvation and that redemption and forgiveness of sins comes through him, that he is the one who makes all things new. He is the one that restores the broken relationship that we had with our creator. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death and resurrection. Thank you for his sacrifice, Lord God. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you all so much. Just a, a, a quick word. 